spiritual warfare. Bible Code 7. Tonight, I think it's a great pleasure to be on board with you and you have you on board with us tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a very powerful topic. And it's a very, very pertinent. And we talk about it this past week. We talk about it the week before. And we're going to, uh, the previous week, I beg your pardon, we talked about it. And we need to understand that this is a, a major, major, major problem that's happened across the world and across America today. And the root cause of many, many problems and people uh, having such difficulties is because their numbers are increasing. And whereas the believers' numbers, uh, the warriors' numbers, the word warriors' numbers are not increasing to match the numbers of the adversary. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the witches, the witchcraft. And the Lord has laid it upon me and tell you that this is where your problem come from. Now, if you don't realize where your problem come from, then you won't know where to aim your bullets. You've got to understand carefully that many big people, billionaires, millionaires, mega millionaires, rulers, and even common working people, they're going into witchcraft. We've got to understand that the Harry Potter generation is coming of age, and everybody and their uncle is seeing to is 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 seeking to get into witchcraft, right? To gain an edge in the spiritual domain, they want a little help from Egypt. They want to get ahead, and they know the way to get ahead is to have some help in the spiritual dimension. But the Christians, the believers, must understand that the greater power dwells in the believers. And we cannot be overthrown. The Bible teaches us that. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. Who is that? Jesus Christ and the believer. The enemy is disciplined. And this is number one. This is one of the key things. And I want you to write this down. The enemy, the witches, the warlocks, they are disciplined. And while most disciples of Jesus Christ, most Christians, are not disciplined. We don't pray when we ought to pray. We don't fast when we should fast. And we don't do things in a disciplined manner. These people here, witches and warlocks, they're very disciplined. Why? Because Satan brings about they're disciplined in them. Satan doesn't bother them when they are supposed to do things for him. But when the Christians are supposed to pray, my God, Satan makes you feel like you want to sleep, make you feel hungry, go to the refrigerator, do this, the phone rings. All manner of stuff happens as we allow it to happen. There's no discipline. Number one. Number two, the enemy is tearing at you because you're not releasing the word. You're not a ball of fire. You're not a flaming fire. But when you become a flaming fire, he can't touch you. This is what we've got to know and understand. This is what we've got to stay on the offensive and stay as a flaming fire because the enemy is always going to be pushing at you. But when you become a ball of fire, he can't touch you. You, you, you are out of his reach. And this is the things that I have to teach you in Bible Code 7. Now, the Bible says in Exodus 22:18, suffer not a witch to live. Do not allow a witch or a warlock to live. This is what God told his people. The mouth of the Lord spoke this. 
The everlasting God says, do not allow a witch to live. Now, we must know and understand that as people of God, we do not have the right and authority to go and touch anyone, causing any physical bodily harm to anyone. And we do not recommend, we do not advocate any kind of physical violence against anybody. However, hallelujah, I love this. We do advocate hostile, aggressive, spiritual violence utilizing the sword of the spirit, the word of the living God, fasting and prayer, releasing the word, coding the word against witches and warlocks. Those are our enemies, the wicked. The Bible tells us that, and I was teaching today, that God is angry with the wicked every single day. The problem is that many Christians don't know how to become angry with wickedness and evil. Because, you see, it's not something that they see, feel, touch, and maybe things are going well with them. But they don't bother. And one of the things with Christians is that not because everything is going well with you doesn't mean that it's going well with your brothers and sisters in another country, faraway places. You need to step in the battle on their behalf. Don't you ever believe that you're exempt and that you're not supposed to fight war for your brothers and sisters in different countries? Why ought you to do to, to do that fight? Why ought you to do that? The Bible says all the believers belong to the body of Christ. Listen to the word, the body of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Jesus Christ. And if your little toe hurts, if there's a hurting believer in China, I'm going to hurt, I'm going to feel it. Why? Because I belong to the body. If my little toe, I stub my little toe uh, and it hurts, it's going to send a signal to my brain. I'm hurting. So I feel it. And I'm going to reach down and do what I have to do and try to alleviate the, the hurt on my little toe. Something cuts you, you tend to it. Not because it's your foot down there, you walk upon it. No, you need your feet. We need all the believers in Jesus Christ across the world. We got to pray for that. When they hurt, we hurt. And this is a part of the discipline that we need to understand. And the things with Christian again is that uh, I said we're not disciplined. Many Christians are not disciplined. Is that they're not studying to show themselves approved to God. Many Christians don't even read their Bible, much less study their Bibles. We want you not only to read your Bible, we want you to study it. Look up the meaning of words. So what does this mean? Query the Spirit. So what does this mean? Ask the Holy Ghost to, to show you and tell you. Because God says you need to study. You need to understand. And this is what we bring about, or we try to bring about through Bible Code 7. The Bible says that God's people perish because they lack knowledge. My God. I know I lacked knowledge at one time. And I met a bunch of Christians who lacked knowledge. No one could tell me what it meant to be saved, and give me a good explanation of what salvation is, why you need to be saved, why you need Jesus when I was a young man. And because of that, I looked at Christians and said they're crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. They're foolish. And I just know I didn't want to be like them because they was always in trouble, always one kind of problem, one after the other. And I said, no, I don't want that. So we are to make sure 
as we study to show ourselves approved to God. We are to gain knowledge, and especially of the adversary. The Bible says we must get to know the modus operandi of Satan, the wiles of the devil. We are to know exactly how he operates, what he's doing, and how we can overcome Satan, because he has given you the wherewithal to overcome Satan. Satan is just a fallen angel. Satan is not on the same par with God or with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that when Satan was thrown out of heaven, what happened? He lost his sword, a flaming sword of fire. He lost his power. He's just another angel and he got the power of what? Deception. We have power and authority over Satan. And tonight, we want to make sure that we get a final, a good foundation set to let you know where your problems come from. Your problems come primarily from witches and warlocks. In the same manner that God needs mouth, hands, feet, eyes, ears down here to work with and work through, is the same way that Satan needs Mouths and hands and feet and hands and, 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 and everything to work through. He needs an agent to work through. That's why he went and he deceived Eve. He needs someone to work through. God needs someone to work through. That's why he created Adam. He said, Adam, down here on earth, have dominion. Take full authority. Take control down here. Well, what happened was Satan had to come and take the authority away from Adam. And when he took it away from Adam, took away the dominion by making him fall in sin, that's when he had full control down here. But thank you, Jesus. Jesus came to what? Buy it back. He came to redeem us and give us back the authority that Adam sold out to Satan. And this is the reason why the Bible tells us, Jesus said, all power has been given to me in heaven as well as in the earth. Because he's got all the power and all the control. And when Jesus told us, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize them and tell them about me, we didn't go just <laughs> willy-nilly. No, he sent us with power. He says, preach his word. He confirms his word with sign following. So what is, a, what is a weapon that we use? His word. He taught us in the Bible. And if we're not utilizing what he gives us and tells us in the manner that he tells us, then it's not his fault if we're in, this, in, in, in the mess that we're in. And as I said before, Christians need to be, become more disciplined. Disciplined. Because if you're a disciple, a disciple is a disciplined person. And this is exactly what it's going to take. So let's get into this witchcraft. When, whenever there's times of social instability, whenever the times are, uh, uh, of chaos and confusion, whenever the economy shuts, shudders and shutters, uh, the Bible tells us that God is not the author of confusion. Therefore, in unstable times, troubling times, what happens? That people look for a help 
in the spiritual domain. They want an edge. They go seeking a witch who can help them. They want to know what tomorrow is going to bring. They want to know if I should make this decision. Should I make this investment? They want to know which way to turn. I'm at a crossroad. The words, there are two ways before me. Which way do I turn? Do I go left? Do I go right? And the Bible tells us and teaches us that in the Old Testament, they used to do what is called divination. They were diviners. What do you think that diviner was and what the divination was? How to go? The which way do I turn? This I need an advice. Do I go this way? Do I go that way? What decision do I make? That's what divination was all about. And they would kill an animal, shedding the blood as a sacrifice, and they'd look into the liver. The divine. And you know where they would do that? At a crossroad. So these things are in your Bible. And they're doing it today. And we, the church, just don't understand where all these things come from. And we write it off as focus, focus, and you know those things. Though, hey, if you don't believe in those things, it can't hurt you. Nonsense. In the same manner that God needs some strong people to release the word and code the word. He needs some uh, the witches and the warlocks. Satan needs some witches and warlocks. He needs them to do his work. And when they get together and they are doing their stuff at twelve o'clock midnight, the witching hour. Till 3 a.m. and they concluded, they issued the most vile curses against who? Christians! You're being cursed by the witches and the warlocks. You're being attacked and you don't even know it. <laughs> and you go about your business willy nilly, ha ha, la di da da da, and you don't even know what o'clock it is. You don't even know what's going on. And this is what we've seen happening in our society today. And then here's the story now. Okay, you see, you find the lowest scale of people looking for witches and warlocks to work them, and everybody's trying to get uh, into hocus pocus because, like crabs in a barrel, everybody's trying to trample all over one, and everybody's trying to carry something with him to guard him from evil and wear something and do something. And this is what's going on down here. But guess what? On the other side, up in the top people, the rulers, the rulers, the royalties, the nobilities, the big man, the millionaire, the billionaire. How do you think they get the money in the first place? Hmm? They made a deal with Satan. Pharaoh, the king, had his jannies and jambres, his palace witches, or palace warlocks, there were men. And he had them working for him, and he was the king. So rulers have what? advisors. They have witches working in their employ. And then there was a guy named Balaam. Balaam was a master witch. And the king of Midian, the king of Moab, went to see Balaam and said, hey, listen, we got three and a half million people running through our place, our, our, our land. Curse them for me. Because we know that anybody you curse is cursed. And anybody you bless is blessed. That's what they told the king, uh, the king of Midian and the king of uh, 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 Moab told Balaam. Balaam was a very powerful witch doctor or warlock. Now, you don't hear much preachers preaching about that, but this is what God revealed to me, and I write about this in the book. So, people, kings, two kings went to the witch doctor and said, curse these people for me. We don't want them. A whole group of people, a whole nation of people 
three and a half million people led by Moses. And he was told, he said, anybody you curse is cursed. That was his track record. He was an expert. The king went and said, curse this group of people. This whole group of people coming through our land. Curse them. And God had to intervene. And if God didn't intervene, guess what? They'd have been cursed. God had to tell Balaam, yeah, Balaam, you can't curse them because I bless them. But the divine intervention of God. And people, we don't understand that rich people and kings and leaders and statesmen, ministers of parliament and senators and congressmen and whatever else you call them, billionaires and millionaires are going to see Balaam. Politicians are going to see Balaam's and say, hey, I want to win the election. I want to do this. I want to do that. These things are happening today because you have some people that really are plugged into Satan. And then the next one is Simon the Sorcerer. Simon the Sorcerer had an entire area called Samaria. How many people lived in Samaria? We don't know. The Bible didn't tell us. But the entire Samaria was bewitched and under Simon's control. And everybody from the Bible says from the least to the greatest. Uh, that Simon the sorcerer was a great power of God. And they listened to him. They obeyed him. Why? Because long time he bewitched them. He had them under his thumb. We don't seem to understand that many a times you go and you buy stuff from a store and you buy, oh, this is my favorite brand. I like this brand of stuff. I like this restaurant. I go to this fast food place. Why do you go to that fast food place? Because you've been bewitched. They work sorcery and we do things in their food. So you're always going back. You're always giving them money. You're buying this brand. Why didn't you buy another brand? Because you've been bewitched. Why am I always going back here? Because that's what the witchcraft that has been worked on you. Products go out with demons. I studied that from 1970-something. Uh, I was in university. When a, a major restaurant chain opened up. And in Chicago, where they opened up, they were having seances and they were doing stuff to make sure that their hamburgers and their french fries sold. They were having witchcraft things up in their headquarters building in the high-rise. Sorcery, witchcraft. And people think of America, say, oh, America is too nice for that. Really? Oh, educated people and rich people don't do that. So really? And the other ones that do really do it, the people down the bottom who are just working every day, they're just hard workers. They're like slaves. They just can't seem to get ahead. Why? Because they've been bewitched. Balaam is keeping them down. Simon the sorcerer is a, using his sorcery to keep them down. You can't rise up. How do you break the cycle? How do you come out from under? How do you stop being abused and used and being a number? How? That's why I teach you the Bible Code 7. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. When you begin to learn how to use the word and put in the spiritual cross here as the right people 
and fight, fire your arrows, your spiritual arrows in the right direction, God will begin to blast them away and you'll begin to move away the stumbling blocks. Then you'll begin to have success. The Bible says that God is angry with the weak, wicked every day. And as I said before, you're not. Hmm? Where is your righteous indig indignation? Bible says you must be angry and don't sin. Where's the anger? <laughs> Most people don't even have an anger. You're always working about. And I see too many Christians walking about crying, boo hoo hoo hoo, and seeking somebody to pity them. Hmm? I always tell people all the time, and I teach and preach all the time. Listen to me carefully. I can wipe your nose for you. I don't mind wiping some noses sometimes. I don't intend to wipe nose for the rest of your life. You need to get up and grow up. And when you get up and you grow up, man, my God, I must see some growth in you. I must see some maturity in you. I must see some spunk in you. Hmm? Some people want you to blow their noses for them. I can't blow your nose for you. You got to blow your nose for yourself. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. God is the author of peace, not of confusion. And wherever you find confusion, you find Satan doing his thing. In America today, we can see, hear, and read about witchcraft and the occult increase, increasing every day. And especially among the young, the millennials, the millennials, the young people, especially among women. Because you see, mostly women, they are sensitive. And they are mostly women that become witches. That's why the Bible talks so much about witchcraft. Wizardry refers to the men getting involved. A warlock is a man. These are the things that are happening today. Witchcraft and our young teenage girls, especially, are getting involved. Harry Potter has created a generation of young people that have uh, become very, 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 from an early age, very, very skilled. The demons of hell have gone in them and possessed them. And these young people are rising up witches and warlocks, and they're powerful, evil. When you look at them, they look like any other teenager or any other young man or young woman, but guess what? Wicked and evil. How are you going to fight with them? You won't even know them. You can't even discern them. What are you going to do? And these are working against you. One young man at 25 years old, I read an article, and that young man said, wherever you find magic, meaning evil, witchcraft, you find what? Passion. He is passionate about what he's doing. And I said, my God, look at this. This young man at 25 years old, doing evil, and he is passionate about it. Where is the passion of the believers? Where is the discipline? Where is the fervor? Where is the fervency? We just laid back and we cool and we just hit and we just going slow like gravy. Flow like molasses going up hill in the wintertime. Have no fire, no fervency. This is what the church is lacking. We need fire. We need a passion. 
no discipline, no fervency, no passion, no heat. The Bible says again, God is angry with the wicked every day. And we see Christians are just so nice and nonchalant and cool. And they're just so hip. No fervency. They're just nice and cool. And too many churches. And I see, oh my God, I see this thing happen to the churches. There is just no fire. My job is to steer you up, bring you to be angry, bring you to be on fire, because there's nothing about God that's cold. Jesus said, if you're too hip and you're too cold, you're going to hell. And that's what he said. He said, I wish you were hot, or I wish you were cold. If you're cold, I know you're cold. If you're hot, I know you're hot. But if you're lukewarm, he said, if you're cold, you know you're dead. Uh, you're, you're fit for the casket. But he said, if you're lukewarm, Jesus said, I'm going to vomit you up, spit you out of my mouth. You'll make me sick. I got nothing to do with you. So if you're lukewarm, out. If you're cold, out. What is, you, what is left? You're going to be hot. Fervent. And only one way to be with Jesus. Oh, glory to God. That's fervency. Passionate. This is what the adversary has. This is what Satan has. This is what the witches have. And this is what the Christians lack. We're too cool. Too many Christians love to be a victim. Oh, look at what Satan doing to me. Oh, look at what they're doing to me. Are you seeking sympathy? Are you seeking pity? Nonsense. You need to get hostile. Say, I'm not going to take this stuff anymore. Turn it around. You have the power to bind. And you have the power to loose. Don't take nobody's stuff. And I see Christian, I see some of them acting like a doormat. You're not a doormat. That's not what God designed you for. That's not what God called you out of sin and called you into the kingdom for. You know, I see many, many Christians. God bless them. They love to be just nice and nominal and nice and easy. Well, I don't want no problem, you know. And they, and they live their lives nice and easy, come to church on Sunday, uh, maybe sing on the choir, and, and you just live and go through life, no problem, and they make no fuss. And everything is, and they just say, God bless them anyway. The enemy takes them out, they'll go to heaven. And many of them, I see so many Christians, they get sick, can't stay well, always in trouble. That's why I never wanted to be a Christian. Always one thing or after another. I said, God, what kind of life is that? I was in I was in university back then, 1969, 70, before that, in the 70s, early 70s and the 60s. I don't want to be a Christian. Not knowing until later, after I did become a Christian, what power we have, what authority we have, what we carry. I said, my God, well, I always ask God, I said, God, why are your people so sick? I used to go to church and see preacher come every Sunday. Anybody sick? You see, preachers would come and they come to the church and they know everybody's always sick. 
So guess what? You call for a healing prayer line. People would come. And everybody wanted to preach a lay hand on, the, on them. And they come next Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday. They keep coming. Always sick. And the Bible says that God sent his word to heal and save from destruction. We always see that, 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 that the people just coming because you see nobody taught the people that you have authority and the enemy comes to take your health. You can get your health back by decreeing, declaring the word of the living God. He sent his word. But if you're not using the sword of the spirit, the word, if you're not declaring the word out of your mouth, over your body, over yourself, over your children, then you're going to be sick. The fiery darts of sickness, the demons of infirmity would lock onto you and make you sick. You'll never have a well day. You'll be just limping and lumping and bumping and going along. This is what Satan wants. Why? Because he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And in any way or another, he wants to destroy them. We must understand that the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible tells us what our fight is against. But look at that word in the King James says, we wrestle not. That's exactly what we don't do. Many, many of God's people don't wrestle. We wrestle not. They don't wrestle. They don't fight. I heard a preacher preach that many, many years ago, and he said, that's the problem that many Christians have. They don't fight. They just sit back and they say, roll it over to me, God. And they expect God to do everything and just roll it over to them. Sit back and say, I'm waiting on the Lord. God knows. God is in control. Yes, he's in control. But he don't want you to sit there and don't fight. The Bible tells you you must fight. The Bible says we must fight the good fight of faith. We must war a good warfare. But my many Christians are just not fighting. And I'm going to tell you this. If you can put a label on me as a Christian, a teacher, I teach spiritual warfare. When I joined the church, I had great bishops and evangelists. They came and they were good men and good women of God. 24 karat gold. And they taught me holy living. They taught me the doctrines of the Bible, they taught me everything the way it's supposed to be taught. But they never taught me warfare. Nobody taught me warfare. Nobody told me how to war and stay ahead of the devil. Nobody told me how to beat the devil well. But if you're not fighting and keeping the, the devil under your foot, and you stand still in a pit full of snakes, then you're standing still, the snakes will turn around and bite you. But as long as you're trampling, the snakes cannot bite you. You keep trampling and treading, they can't bite you. As long as you stay on the offensive and you're trampling, the demons of hell cannot do you anything. What? You can't hit a moving target. And as long as you're throwing fire, the flame, the word of God, and hammering and hammering, hammering with the word, the demons can't touch you. The minute you stand still, that's when he got you. That's when he got you. Think of yourself in a pit full of snakes. 
and you're always trampling. Bam, bam, bam. Nothing can hit you. You're always trampling there. But the minute you stop, bam, they come and they hit you time after time after time. And this is where we go, we go wrong. You've got to understand that the enemy is always at you. So the Bible says we rest not against flesh and blood. Principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. All spiritual warfare. And we must wrestle. And I want you to note the word wrestle. Wrestling is not like boxing. I've taught you this before so many times. When you're in a boxing match, the bell rings. When the bell rings, what do you do? You get a time, a break. You go back to your corner. No matter how your adversary was beating you up and beating the stuff inside of you, you get a break. The bell rings, bam, break. Go back to your corner, sit on the stool, and you get a rub down. Cool off. Get a glass of water, a little sip of water. Get a pep talk, a little massage. Uh, freshen up, catch your breath. Then you go back out and fight again. Wrestling, uh-uh. There's no break. There's no break in wrestling. When you wrestle, you lock on. You hold on. Knock down, drag out. You better have some stamina. better have some endurance in wrestling. Because the enemy wants to lock on and give you a chokehold and choke your breath away. And I teach all the time. I say, you know, the spirit of Python, the demon wants to lock on like a python, a snake. And he's not going to bite you like a serpent, you know. He wraps around you like a python. And what does he do? He flexes his muscles and he squeezes and squeezes to squeeze the life out of you, suffocate you. And that's what's happened to many Christians. They're being suffocated. They don't understand. And they start out, they guess they start out fast, they start out high, and all of a sudden they come down, 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 down. And some of them are barely hanging on today. Why? They don't know how to war. Many of them have not been taught that you got to war. Got to fight. Fight got to be your first nature. You're born a fighter. I taught you all so many times when your mama met your daddy and, and you were in the womb. Or before you entered the womb, there were millions of sperm cells fighting to impregnate one egg. And that one egg that was impregnated closed off. That egg formed you. You're the champion. You're the winner. You're born a winner. So where did you go wrong? There was no one to tell you when you become a Christian you need to fight. That's when the war begins. That's when the war begins. Because you see, think back now. When you were not a Christian, you were drinking that stuff and getting drunk. You were going to the dance hall, living a life cussing and carrying on like a fool. Well, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about like my me. Cussing like a drunken sailor and carrying on like a fool. No problem. Everything was going good. You had money. Everything was all right. But the minute you came to Jesus and you decide to live holy, that's when all of your troubles begin. You don't have no money. Your job gone funny. Your friends gone funny. Your health gone funny. Everything starts happening. Why? Satan wants you back. Satan doesn't want to lose you. 
Satan begins to sing a song. I want you back. He wants you to get disgusted and fed up being a Christian and leave Christianity. Leave Jesus. Walk out of Jesus. And when you walk out of Jesus, he wants you to come back in his arms. Hmm? And you don't know. The Christians don't know. And it's not aware of the fact that you have millions of witches and warlocks cursing you, sending fiery arrows all over at you. Everywhere you turn, every night, especially Friday night, the witches and the warlocks, they curse the Christians. People look at you, you don't even know, and they envy you, jealous of you. Could be a neighbor, could be a hairdresser, could be a barber, could be a doctor, nurse, dentist, witch, warlock, and they curse you. Why? They just want your money. Big businessmen, when they have their businesses, they send out curses, send out demons so you can come to their business and patronize their businesses, buy their food, buy their restaurant, buy their drink, buy their products, buy their cars, buy this, buy that from them. It's being done every day. And this is not something new. This is something on the books. This is something that is, is, is being done every day. Every day. Big major corporations are doing this. And they're not hiding it either. They're not hiding it. So you don't understand. The Bible says the rulers of the darkness in this. And by the way, in this scripture, in the King James, that's where it says it says spiritual wickedness in high places. It stops right there. But in the Geneva Bible, it says, and wicked worldly governors. Wicked worldly governors. Wicked worldly men and women, rulers, the rich. We're fighting against them too. Why? Because those are the ones employing the Balaams, the Jannies and Jamrays, the Simon, the sorcerers, to do witchcraft and sorcery against God's people, and not just God's people, but everybody, to hold them under their thumb, hold them in oppression. Just as Simon, Simon bewitched Samaria and all the people in Samaria, and from the least person to the greatest person, they say he was a God. He was the great power of God. And they listened to him. And whatever he told them to do, they obeyed him. And this is the time where we live in today. The rich, the powerful people, the ruling class, working witchcraft and sorcery. Why? Because they want us to obey them. They want obedience. Don't think you're going to overthrow them. They want to maintain in perpetuity, not only for themselves now, for their children and grandchildren, that they will be the top echelon people. The laws in the country are written for them. Everything is about them. The politicians are in office to serve them. They are in control behind the scenes. Now they got oodles and oodles of money. And we know that the Bible says the love of money is the root cause of all evil. So the politicians and all the people that are working in government are going to obey them. Why? They're making a salary from the government, but where, hey, when you come with 10 grand cash or 20 grand cash or $50,000 cash in a shoebox and you give it to them, you think they're going to refuse it? 
No. So the rich man go get his stuff done. And the witchcraft, the sorcery, keep on perpetuating itself. And where does that leave a believer? It leaves a believer if you're not fighting and understanding that you can overthrow this stuff against you. It leaves you in a beggarly place. All of God's people are called upon not to just live a life as a Christian. You're called upon to seek rank and to seek authority from God. What does that mean? It means this, that when you come into the army, you go through boot camp. When you go through boot camp and you graduate from boot camp, you become a private. When you come to Jesus, you become a Christian, but you're a private in the army. You don't know anything. But the Bible says, even as a private, to them that believe in my name, you shall cast out devils. The minute you come to uh, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, I give you power. I give you authority. You have certain rights the minute you become a Christian. But you don't have ranking. And if you look study the life of the Apostle Paul and Peter, you see that these men, they were trained. And over a period of time, they got more anointing. They had more ranking. They had more power. They had more authority, greater authority. And then we see that they began to do great miracles, mighty miracles. They didn't do it just like that. Matter of fact, when they started and they tried to do miracles, they couldn't do the miracles. Jesus said to the disciples, say, hey, go cast out the, the demons from this boy. And they couldn't do it. When the father came and said, Jesus, I asked your disciples to cast out the demon out of this boy. They couldn't do it. And when they asked Jesus, well, why couldn't we cast the demon out? And Jesus said, these kinds of demons do not come out except by fasting and by prayer. So they had to learn over a period of time. And over a period of time, as they learn and they gain experience and knowledge, they increase in authority. In other words, they moved up the ladder from becoming a private to a lance corporal, a corporal, a sergeant, a lieutenant, a colonel, and a general. They go up in rank. They increase in authority. And that's what we got to do in Jesus. You don't get the full authority and the full measure of power. No, you got to grow. The Bible says we must grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you got to understand and as you're growing, you're able to handle all the high-level witches and the warlocks that come against you. Because you've got to handle them. And if you don't handle them and learn how to handle them, they're going to be handling you. And as best you can, right where you are, I teach you that when you begin to weaponize the word of the living God and you begin to declare, recite the word of God, the scripture, and Speak the word, declare the word, declare the word, declare the word. And it's not going to happen overnight. But when you begin to declare the word, declare the word, what happens? You're hammering. The Bible says, my word is like as, as, just like fire. And a hammer that shatters the rocks in pieces. When you're hammering a rock, and I've seen people use a, a, a pointed hammer to break rocks. I've seen them use a sledgehammer to break rocks. And when they hammer the rock, boom, and boom, the rock don't just shatter in one piece at one 
uh, blow? No. Sometimes they have to hit that rock several times, six times. And then when they hit it one time, it breaks in four pieces. Then they take that and they break it into smaller pieces. They keep hammering and hammering and hammering. And then the rock breaks. And if you break the rock, then it splinters into little pieces. It becomes even powder. It becomes pulverized. And that's what Jesus said. When you use my word, you hammer with my word. My word is the hammer. And now you hammer the mountains. You hammer your sicknesses. You hammer the things and the diseases that come at you. You hammer it and hammer it and hammer it. And don't stop hammering. This is a non-stop gig when you come to Jesus. You don't just hammer one time, two times, and oh, God, it's not working. No! You don't chop down a big old tree like this. And you're using an axe and expect to chop that tree down with one whack of the axe. No! You're crazy. You've got to keep chopping. And while you're chopping, you got to make sure your axe is sharp, too. And you chop, and you chop, and you chop, and you chop. And then one day, you'll chop to the point when the tree starts going, crack, 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 and the tree comes down. Well, that's what you keep doing with the Word of God. You don't quit. And so many people, I've seen so many people, oh, it's not working. Are you still fasting and praying? No, they fell off the wagon. Why? Because they say it's not working. It's too hard for them. I don't have the time. Oh, my God. Okay, no problem. Because you see, if you're not standing on the devil's head, the devil is going to be standing on your head. And I'm going to tell you that straight up right now. If you're not trampling on the devil's head, the devil is trampling on your head. Too sad. I've seen so many people, so many believers, good Christians. You teach them and you teach them and you show them that they just don't listen. Just don't stand up to teach it. And the Bible tells us that the day will come that many people will not endure sound doctrine. They won't stand up under the teaching of the Bible. And you've got to make sure that you sell yourself I am going to stand up unto the teaching of what the Bible says. You cannot tell me that you're going to heaven and you have to believe the word of God because the Bible says so. I'm going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I'm going to be heaven and spend all eternity with Jesus. And you cannot believe Jesus to heal you and deliver you and help you down here. When it comes to the word of God, you can't believe it. Don't tell me that. The Bible tells me that the unbelieving and the fearful are not going to make it into heaven. So if you're unbelieving, uh-uh, you're not getting there. You're fearful, you ain't going to get there either. So we got to make sure that we believe the word of the living God and understand that you're in a war. So you come in the army, you're not supposed to remain where you are. You're supposed to increase in authority. How long have you been serving God? Hmm? And you mean to tell me that as long as you're serving God, you cannot lay your hands on somebody and pray for them and expect that person to recover? Come on. Come on. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, You shall receive power. You shall what? Receive. Not beg for. You shall receive power 
after the Holy Ghost has come on you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and in the uttermost parts of the earth. The receiving of power. Yeah, I teach this and I teach this and I teach this, that the body of Christ must receive their power. How do you receive power? You go to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you. On the authority of your word, your promise, you said I shall receive power. And the Holy Ghost has come on me. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because you see, you can't get the power without the Holy Ghost. Hello? The Holy Ghost comes in, and when he comes in, he brings power with him. He doesn't come and just give you power. You've got to receive him. He's got to baptize you. He comes to take up residence in you. And when he comes in to live with you, then he comes in with his power. And then you have his power to work with and work through. That's what makes you a warrior. Woo! Hallelujah. I love it. I love warfare. Because you see, when I get to warring, I feel the Holy Ghost in me like fire. I feel like a steel rod in me. I feel like David. David said, I feel like I could run through a troop and I could leap over a wall. Show me a 10-foot wall, a 20-foot wall. I feel like you could jump over that wall. And if you're sure, and, and David talked about running through a troop, it means he was a swordsman. And if you had 20 people, 30 people against him, and just David with his sword, he would run through them and he would kill them all. And he'd be left standing. He had the energy and the stamina and the power to run through and fight and kill all his enemies. And he would be still left standing. That's what David said. I feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Why? The power of the Holy Ghost. That's the kind of power you need. That's the power that kind of power God's giving you. It gives you real power. Called the dunamis power. And that's what we need to seek from God. That's what we need. Enduring power. That's what it takes to endure to the very end. And thereby salvation shall come to us. And I'm teaching and preaching the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God said, this power is yours. You shall receive it. It's a promise to the believers. And you must have it. You need it. How are you going to overcome the witches and the warlocks that are coming at you? The witches and the warlocks are fasting. And they're all praying and calling on the demons. Let me tell you something here now. Maybe the, the church doesn't know this. I, I, I taught, taught this a couple times before. But listen, the satanic people to gain power, they fast. Not only do they fast, you know, they do some strange things. They'll even lay down in caskets, bury themselves under the earth, sleeping. They, 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 they sleep in the graveyard, sleep among the dead for days. They'll bury themselves in the earth for three days. They'll hang out in mausoleums. And when you read about young people going over into graveyards and drinking and all that thing, what do you think they're doing over there? There are some graveyards in Salem, Massachusetts, and some in uh, 
New Orleans and people in America, they take bus tours and they go up there and they go to the graveyards of these people who are witches in Salem, Massachusetts. What do you think they do? They want to draw the energy from these witches. They're communicating with the dead. They call necromancy. They do some serious stuff. They're very into their stuff because they're serious. And in the same manner, Christians got Jesus, and we don't want to fast. We're not disciplined. We don't want to pray. We don't want to spend time coding the word, releasing the scripture. But the devil say, oh, that's too much work. I don't have no time for that. I'm sleeping. And hereby the witches and the warlocks are winning the battle and the Christians who got the greatest power, power of God, are losing the battle because we're not exercising the power and the authority that God has given us. Hmm? We must understand that if we don't step up to the bat and we don't shine our light, the world is going to be covered in darkness. That's what the Bible tells us in Isaiah 60. It says, arise and shine. You get up and shine your light because what? Your light has come and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. He says, darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness shall cover the people. What does that mean? It means anytime you see darkness, the prince of darkness is going to be in charge. Satan is going to be in charge. But Jesus says what? Arise, shine, because if you shine, no darkness can take over. Darkness operates in the absence of light. Only. Where light shows up, darkness flees. Gross darkness is going to take over the minds of the people. You see, people have a choice. And they're going to exercise their choice to what? Go into darkness. To choose the works of the wicked one, Satan. We must understand that this witchcraft and the sorcery, I can't tell you how bad it is because you see all this. I've been teaching all week on the daily briefing about all the pedophilia, the missing children that have been sacrificed, and all the children trafficking and all that stuff. It has its root right there in the Bible. Child sacrifices, sacrificing their children to Molech. Well, if I give you a child and sacrifice a child to you, you're going to give me a big reward, Satan. That's what it, that's what it boils down to. You see, you can take a chicken and only get this much. But when you take a bigger sacrifice, you get this much. And when you take a big sacrifice, you get this much. What do you think they're going to do? I want this much. That's why they take people, sacrifice people. <clears throat> and that's Bible. That's in the Bible. I can talk about it. People sacrifice their children unto Molech. Bring a child and sacrifice the child. And it's still being done today. Eating children, drinking blood. It's being done today. And you got to understand these are the things that you're up against. And if you don't know your enemy and know the power of your enemy, the strength of your enemy, 
How are you going to fight your enemy? You must understand the weapons that we war with. And not flesh and blood weapons, but mighty weapons through God to pull down every fortress, every stronghold, cast down imagination, everything that would seek to come against Jesus. And bring it into captivity, every thought, unto the obedience of Christ. Isaiah 31, 1 says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. You know how many people going down to Egypt? That's a reference of people going to satanic uh, rituals. Egypt was symbol, symbolic of the false gods. 41 different false gods that they worshipped in Egypt. And so going down into Egypt for help was a going down to seek the help of the false gods. From Egypt. They stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not, they don't look unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Well, let me tell you something. I'd rather seek Jesus. And when I have Jesus, I got everything. When I got Jesus, I got the fullness of power. Jesus said, all power has been given unto him, heaven as well as in the earth. No witch can overcome me. No warlock can overcome me. They're dead. I begin to release the words that do not allow witch to live. In the mighty name of Jesus, witches will die. And I don't have to lift one finger to harm them physically. Why? When I release the word of God, the righteous judge of all the earth, he will take care of them. And he sure knows how to take care of them. Woo, hallelujah. Done it before and he'll do it again. Don't have to get your hands dirty. Look at your hands. The Bible says, who, who shall stand in the hill of the Lord? Who shall come in the presence of God? He that had what? Clean hands and pure heart. I didn't lift up my hands to do anything and get blood on my hands. And my heart is pure because guess what? I use the word. Ain't nothing purer and cleaner and more powerful than the word of God. I fight with the word. And let God fix them. Let God kill them. Yeah. Last thing I want to tell you. <laughs> I was doing a little uh, study today and God told uh, Joseph. that Joseph, take the boy and his mother. Take the child and his mother. That's the scripture. <clears throat> Meaning baby Jesus and go down into Egypt because they are seeking to kill the child. They're seeking to kill Jesus. What did Jesus do? He didn't do nothing. <laughs> he was a baby. But he was a threat. Huh? He was a threat to Pharaoh. So he said, take the child and take his mother and go down into Egypt. And they did. Until I give you a, a warning, I tell you when to come back. And while they went on vacation down into Egypt, the Bible says God gave Joseph another dream and told Joseph, come back. Those who sought the young child to kill him, they're dead. So here's, a, here's God. God said, Jesus was a child. Joseph went to Egypt with Mary and Jesus. He went on vacation. So God said, you go out of town. Get out of town. Get out of town. And I'll kill him while you're gone on vacation. I won't kill him while you're here. I'll kill Pharaoh while you're on vacation. 
And while they're on vacation, what did God do? He killed Herod. Then when he killed him and the job was done, he said, tell Jacob, Joseph, come on back now. Your enemy, those who sought the child to kill him, is dead. And if God killed Jesus, his enemy, was a man, Herod, he'll kill your enemies too. He'll send you on vacation. He'll tell you, hold your peace and I'll fight your battles for you. He'll tell you the battle is not yours. The battle is mine, said the Lord. Why? Because when you release the word of God and tell him, God, your word says, and you, 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 you declare the scripture, God will kill your enemies for you. Your enemy shall die in your place. And the same thing it did with the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. A mighty army of 185,000 men. And they came against a little handful of people. God says, all you need to do in this battle is sing. Praise ye the Lord, for the Lord is good. And his mercy endure forever. Don't worry about him. The battle is not yours. It's mine. What did God do? God caused all the children of Ammon, the children of Moab, the children of Mount Seir, all three factions. They had what you call friendly fire. And they began to fight one another and kill one another. Let me tell you something. I declare over you tonight that when you begin to utilize the sword of the spirit, the word of a living God, God will cause your enemies to kill themselves. And not one hair of your head will be harmed. Not one fingernail on your finger will be broken. You won't even mess up your hands trying to harm uh, anybody. Because God will kill him for you. Joseph, take the child and his mother and go down to Egypt. You go on vacation. Go have a good time. Yeah, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Take that all and go down to Egypt. Have a good time, but on vacation. While I take care of Herod over here, I'll kill him for you. And what did God do? He killed him. And when he killed Herod, he says, All right, Joseph, bring the child and his mother back. The job is done. That's how God's going to take care of you. But you got to do something for yourself. You got to release the word of God. Bible Code 7. When you go one time, one time ain't enough, baby. You got to keep going again. Don't stop till you go seven times. And this is how you fight the witches. This is how you fight the warlocks. This is how you fight them. And this is how you win. Because guess what? If you're not fighting them and pulverizing them and trampling them upon the serpents and upon the scorpion, they will be trampling you. And last thing I want to tell you, Luke 10, 19 says, listen carefully. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread, trample on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy. Satan, nothing will in any way harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits, listen to this, that the demons, the spirits, are subject to you. The demons will obey you. They are subject to you. Don't rejoice because they are subject to you. They must obey you. But rather rejoice that your names are recorded, are written in heaven. Yeah. 
So here we have Jesus telling you, these are all the things I've blessed you with. I've endued you with this. Why are you running from Satan? Why are you afraid? Why are you backing down? Why are you not advancing? Why are you not utilizing my word? Why are you not trampling, treading? You must be treading. Isaiah 50, 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I shall condemn. I shall condemn. I shall condemn. If you're not condemning, then guess what? The words will prosper. The weapons will prosper against you. But if you're not condemning, they'll have the opportunity to prosper. But when you condemn, that's when they cannot, will not, never, ever prosper. So you must be condemning. You must be fighting. You must be refuting. You must be releasing the word of God. You must be trampling. You must be treading. Again, if you're in a pit full of snakes and, and you're trampling, trampling, trampling them, none of them can have the time to bite you because you're trampling. You're moving. But you stand still, they'll turn around and bite your feet. You'll be dead meat in no time. This is what we got to understand tonight. And this is what it is, how we deal with the witches and the warlocks that we have to deal with today. You got more witches now. Broad is the way that leads to hell, death, and destruction. Many people go in there at straight and narrow is the way that leads to heaven and everlasting life. And few people there be that find it. Contrast the few with the many. Do you see that we are few in numbers as Christians and we have to deal with a lot, many wicked people, demonic people? You're outnumbered. So what are you going to do? You're outnumbered, but you're not outgunned. You're not outmanned. You have, there are more of us than there are of them. One third of the angels rebelled against God and they were kicked out of heaven. Two thirds is greater than one third. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And that's what we got going for us. Don't you ever give up the fight. Don't you ever quit fighting. The minute you roll over and you stop fighting and you're waiting for somebody to come and wipe your nose and blow your nose, see, that's the minute you're going to be succumbing. You got to fight. The weapons are superior because we have the everlasting word of God. Have a, have a, have a, have a them with the word. Don't quit. Don't give up. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace, both now until he returns. God bless you and have a fabulous, fabulous night. We'll catch you again next Thursday night or see you again at noonday tomorrow. God bless you.